0: What's happening, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet today for June the 6th of 2019. My name is Samuel Adams, as I've already stated, and welcome to today's show. Of course, I hope this one finds you well, and today we have some big Destiny 2 news. Of course, Destiny has been in the news a lot over the course of the past few days with a new raid, with a data mine that shows the future expansion that is going to be announced today alongside the topic of today's show, which is Cross Save coming to Destiny 2 on top of Google Stadia support. It's a big day for Destiny fans. But in addition to that, we have news about Pokemon Sword and Shield. We have news about Metro Exodus coming to the Windows Store. People Can Fly has opened a brand new studio. Borderlands 2's DLC that is going to be linking the game to Borderlands 3 has been leaked via Steam. Tons of other news on today's show. But of course, if you are brand spanking new, this show is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, around 7 a.m. Eastern Time over on Twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. And then, if you do want to watch it in a VOD format or via a podcast, those are available as well on youtube.com slash samueladamsmedia as well as anchor.fm slash samueladams that then has all of the links to Spotify, to Apple, to everything you could ever imagine. It's a really good service that I am very fond of. But with that being said, we have a lot to break down today, so without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive into today's top stories. First off, Destiny 2 is coming to Google Stadia and getting cross-save according to some pretty significant sources. You will soon be able to transfer your Destiny 2 progress between multiple platforms, Xbox PC and the streaming service Google Stadia, on which the popular loot shooter will launch this fall. PlayStation 4, however, remains up in the air. Right now, switching from console to PC for Destiny 2 means starting from scratch, as there is no way to transfer your characters or progress. But this morning, data miners discovered an image with cross save on it, getting fans' hopes up that Bungie's online shooter will allow players to move characters across platforms soon. It's true and it will be announced tomorrow during a Bungie livestream at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And of course, now tomorrow, that's today, June the 6th of 2019. It's a big deal. And of course, Jason Schreier is the source confirming the sources that I'm sourcing. Uh, Anyways, we have heard all of this from four people familiar with Bungie's plans, two of whom confirmed that Bungie will announce cross-save today during its Destiny 2 livestream. Those two also said the company wasn't yet sure whether PS4 would be a part of it, as Sony did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Google Stadia will definitely be a part of this, though. What we have heard from five sources, they say at Kotaku, a combination of plugged-in tipsters and developers, is that Destiny 2 will be one of the big games available on Google's new streaming platform. We also expect Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and a few other big games to get announced for Stadia. If Stadia works as promised, players will be able to load up a Google Chrome browser and jump into Destiny 2 on any computer or device that supports the service. We don't yet know how much Stadia services will cost, but we will find that out today as well, and what Jason has heard is that some are saying, a combination of a subscription and an a la carte pricing package. Google is holding a press conference to detail Stadia games and other details today at 12 pm eastern time, while Bungie will hold a live stream to talk about the future of Destiny one hour later. We can expect to see this news detailed at both conferences, and we can also expect the developers at Bungie to lay out their future for Destiny 2, which includes the recently leaked Shadowkeep expansion launching this fall. Of course, going to be a very big expansion for those Destiny 2 fans but what the heck man this is something that has been a long time coming and i am completely and totally convinced that the reason these changes are coming to destiny 2 and the reason overwhelmingly that destiny 2 is going to be coming to google stadia is because activision is finally out of the mix and now destiny has pretty much been transferred back completely and totally over to bungie which of course they're more passionate about it than Activision who pretty much just wants to make as much money as possible in any kind of way they possibly can. Cross save could have been in the works before that little split but I would say that a lot of the changes we are going to be seeing today are coming because of the Activision split and at the end of the day it was a pretty good decision to make. But the big news here is, of course, cross-save. And for those that don't know what that means, and if you didn't pay attention to what I was reading, basically, that means that you can transfer any of your characters between Xbox, PC, and Google Stadia, and hopefully, PlayStation 4. And if that is the case, that changes the game. Because up until this point, uh, especially streamers that have communities centered around Destiny, if you wanted to play on people on Xbox, then you had to get the Xbox and a version of the game for Xbox. If you want to play on PlayStation, the same exact scenario PC the same exact scenario and to be able to raid on all these platforms and to be able to play with anyone anywhere especially in a game like Destiny is incredibly invaluable and I think a big big part of why a lot of people might have not necessarily stuck around with Destiny 2 as long as they possibly could have. Now, there were a lot of issues that did plague the game earlier in its life, uh, but to be able to play with anyone anywhere and to be able to transfer your, your your character over to different platforms, that's a very big deal. Now, it is worth mentioning that I've been talking about playing with anyone anywhere. Cross-play has not been confirmed, but cross-save is a step in the right direction. I don't want you guys to get that confused, and I don't want to confuse that myself. So just to be clear, cross-save is a transfer of characters. Cross-play could potentially come in the future. But I digress, it's a very exciting time nonetheless for those that are fans of Destiny 2. Of course, it seems like there has been a general positive vibe in the Destiny community over the course of the past few days because the raid has been fantastic, Menagerie has been very fun to watch. Uh, On top of that, you also have the Shadowkeep expansion getting leaked and a ton of just positive energy around the franchise itself. And it's very exciting to see that more and more announcements are going to be coming today. So between Google Stadia's big pricing unveil and more details about when it will be available on top of Destiny 2 getting a ton of news, we are going to be having a very exciting Thursday? Had to think about what day it was. And of course, on tomorrow's episode of Caffeinate, I will let you guys know all of the big details about both of these things, Destiny 2 and Google Stadia, amongst other Pieces of news. But let's talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield because there was a big Pokemon Direct yesterday morning, and guess what? There was a lot of big announcements. So let's go ahead and dive into the full recap via GameSpot because they give a little rundown. It's about 15 minutes long, and you can watch the full thing over on YouTube. But let's go ahead and talk about what they actually said. Pokemon Sword and Shield now coming out November the 15th, and better yet, it is a global release date, so no one will be feeling left out when Poke Fever hits later this year. There are new legendaries. Nintendo introduced us to Pokemon Sword and Shield's new legendary Pokemon, and as you might expect, the two new legendaries embody the Sword and Shield titles. Zamazenta is having a shield-like design, and Zakian holding a sword-like item in its mouth. New characters and story details have been revealed. We... Have the news. The Pokemon Sword and Shield story and characters were a key focus of the direct event. We got to meet the Galar Regions Pokemon Professor, your rival, and the champion, and we learned that those giant stadiums we saw previously are Pokemon Gems. New Gen 8 Pokemon have been revealed, and naturally, we got to look at some of the new little monsters and, of course, a variety of returning favorites from past generations. Again, if you want a deep dive, I would highly encourage you to check out the full reveal. Dynamax is a new feature. This is an option you can activate once per battle to grow your Pokémon to an incredible size, allowing them to utilize more powerful versions of their abilities. And of course, raid battles are also going to be included with these new games. These pit four trainers against a single enemy that will be Dynamaxed for the entire fight. And again, Dynamax, big, big Pokémon boy, and you have to fight a Pokémon that is more powerful. Defeat it and you will have the chance to catch it. Your fellow trainers can be actual players, but if you don't have a group of four, don't worry. Artificial Intelligence will fill in as needed. A smartphone Pokedex has also been included in the game. Doesn't necessarily change the gameplay, but it's just a different aesthetic design of the in-game Pokedex. And on top of that, random encounters. Last year's Pokemon games for Switch, Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu did away with random encounters of favor Excuse me, in favor of a system where you could see wild Pokemon roaming in the wild. Those have been expected to return in Sword and Shield, but based on today's presentation, it looks as if random encounters are completely and totally gone. But I feel like this article leaves out one of the biggest parts of the gameplay itself, and that's the fact that it's very, very much so an open world. And of course, we knew that was going to be the case, but when you see it in action, it to- totally changes the way that I see Pokemon. Of course, I've never been a big fan, I've never played any of the games for more than a couple of hours at the time and that's just seldom from year to year i just don't get into pokemon it's just not my thing even that being said checking out the gameplay from this direct it's amazing i mean it truly looks like an open world pokemon game it's almost like pokemon breath of the wild it blew my mind whenever i saw that gameplay because it truly is something that even as somebody who doesn't necessarily like pokemon that i would be marginally interested in playing and that's that's a lot to get me to be at that point and so, I think that is pretty much going to be the uh, the turning point for a lot of people, because even for somebody like myself that doesn't necessarily care that much about Pokemon, I'm still at least interested in seeing what this game brings to the table, and that's what's going to push this game over the edge. I would say that this is going to be uh, the best-selling generation of Pokemon games to date, without a doubt, because it is just doing something completely and totally different that has never been done before, but it also mixes in enough of that nostalgia, enough of that classic kind of vibe. There's a lot going on here uh, that is very much so positive and something that I'm very excited to see. Uh, But as Domino says in the chat, got to change with the times. Absolutely. Uh, If you continue to regurgitate the same thing over and over again, people are going to get tired of Pokemon. And I think that's kind of where a lot of people were uh, getting is it just becomes something that's very, very repetitive. We saw it with Call of Duty. We're beginning to see it with Battlefield, although both both franchises are changing things up, Uh, but to be able to bring something new to the game, that is what the big game changer is. However, if you do want to pick up Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield or both for some reason, you can pick them up on November the 15th of 2019. A lot of games coming out in November. A lot. Of course, that's how it always is, but man, a lot. Uh, Anyways, let's talk about a game coming out this week and technically that came out a couple of months back and then technically coming out again later on. Oh, man. Metro Exodus will hit Windows Store this week, according to a new listing. The Epic Games Store exclusivity appears to be flouted. Metro Exodus was among the first games to cause a stir due to its exclusivity to the Epic Games Store. Originally available as a pre-order on Steam, the shooter was later removed in favor of Epic Storefront. And while the game will still launch on Steam in February 2020, it looks like another storefront will get it even sooner. It just appeared on the Windows Store with a release date of June the 9th. It's interesting timing. Microsoft has confirmed its Xbox Game Pass subscription service will launch on PC, and the release date for Metro Exodus perfectly aligns with the date of the Microsoft's E3 2019 press conference. We do not yet know when Game Pass will launch for PC, but in the event that it launches during that press conference, it is not too big a leap to expect that Exodus will be one of the featured titles. Whatever the case, they will let you know for sure at GameSpot, excuse me, PC Gamer, which are the people reporting on this and the press conference of course happening on Sunday and it's a very exciting time because of course E3 2019 news is a flowing and this is a very big piece of news I think even more so because it confirms that pretty much Game Pass is going to be launching in the middle of the show again not necessarily confirming but if you read into what is actually happening here You can pretty much expect a launch for Game Pass on PC during the Microsoft Conference, which is incredible whenever you think about what's going on behind the scenes with that. But if Metro Exodus is included, what else is included? Of course, that's a very, very big game, one of the biggest games of the past 365 days or so, and uh, that's a really, really big get for Xbox Game Pass on PC, and I think it kind of paints a picture for the future of Game Pass. I think it paints a picture of what you can expect from the PC version. I think Microsoft is handling this very well. Of course, Xbox Game Pass, a phenomenal way to get a ton of games for a very little amount of money on a monthly basis. But, to make sure that it is worth your money they have to ensure that both versions of game pass the one on pc and the one on xbox are relatively equal in their value you can't have xbox Game Pass on Xbox being a really, really, really good deal, and then have just a small selection of games on PC, and that selection of games being lackluster to begin with, you have to ensure that good games are going to be included, and I think that's pretty much what you've got here, a confirmation that big-name games and big-name devs and publishers are going to be getting on board with Game Pass on PC. Now, as Domino says in the chat, I don't want Game Pass on PC, that's perfectly fine. It's not necessarily something that you actually need. Again, the Epic Games Store is totally fine if you want the Metro Exodus experience early or you can wait until it comes out on Steam. Again, that's the beauty of Game Pass is that you don't necessarily have to subscribe. You can always just get the game if you just want the single game. But still, the amount of value you get from Game Pass on a month-to-month basis and on top of that other gaming subscription services depending on what your interests are, that is hard to outdo, I mean truly there are some really good values in these new subscription services. Again, they're not for everyone, I totally understand it. Some people's finances are different, some people don't have uh, the, uh, the, the desire to have a plethora of games to play and would rather invest that amount of money in one specific game. I get that, I feel that, that's totally good, but at the same time, it's a pretty cool opportunity to get in on some really good games for a really good price. However, one game you won't be getting in on subscription or otherwise is whatever Blizzard reportedly cancelled. It was in the works for two years and now it is gone. It appears Blizzard Entertainment has cancelled a project that was in development for at least two years. Game developer David Gibson, who was a senior animator on Overwatch, started working on a mysterious unannounced Blizzard project in July 2017, according to his LinkedIn page. He worked on this game for about two years before announcing his departure from Blizzard this week. Whatever this project was, it's reportedly no longer happening. Unfortunately, you will never see what we made over the past two years, that's game development, he said on Twitter. Game development is a highly iterative, fluid process. It is not uncommon for projects to get cancelled midway through development for a variety of reasons. Gibson did not offer any specifics on why this project was seemingly axed or if his departure from Blizzard is related. According to Blizzard executive producer Alan Adam, roughly 50% of Blizzard's games are canceled before release. The truth is, behind the curtain, it is a horror show, but most people outside of Blizzard don't realize around half of our titles don't see the light of day, he explained to Game Informer. So people who think we are a consistent company, we are only consistent in that we only release the really amazing games. GameSpot has contacted Blizzard in an attempt to get more details, but there was nothing to say as of right now. Gibson did not say if he was let go or if he was leaving voluntar- voluntarily, Excuse me, but whatever the case, Gibson says he is already lined up with a new gig. Blizzard's new president, Jay Allen Brack, has said Blizzard currently has more projects in development than ever before in the company's history, and it seems it has one fewer now. Of course, many more events have been teased for existing games. Of course, WoW Classic is going to be coming out later on in the year, and BlizzCon 2019 is coming around in November for more news, which will inevitably be revealed. But... I hate to read these stories. I truly do, because who knows what this game could have been? It could have been a phenomenal idea that somebody on a board or a small team of people that might not ne- necessarily be completely connected just chose to go ahead and can. And that and that's that's something that really just it gets me, because that could have been a fantastic game. If you work on something for two years, clearly there is some kind of concept there. Clearly there is some kind of idea there that is worth spending two years on, and I think that speaks for itself in the value of whatever that idea was. Uh, But to see it just go down the pipe is something that's incredibly disappointing. But again, most of the stories of this nature never even come out. That's the really the reality of the situation people don't necessarily like to promote their failures or what isn't happening many companies would rather talk about what is happening to get you hyped up about the projects that are coming but to see these franchises get you know renewed time after time after time to see remasters get pumped out because they will sell uh is one thing but to see that being accepted in exchange for the cancellation of new ideas oh that kills me on the inside a little bit because we need new ideas of course many many indie games are definitely bringing around some new ideas in the gaming industry and on top of that many of these big name games are also iterating and changing things up but at the same time there is still a strong grasp on nostalgia i mean we see it with call of duty not iterating at all and just pumping out a new modern warfare we've already had a modern warfare they're using the name again dropping the four it's that kind of concept that shows me there is still this huge this huge hold on the industry via nostalgia and via what has already happened instead of trying new ideas and explaining new concepts to people but i digress whatever blizzard was working on for two years that game is gone but hey more games are in development now than ever before so hopefully more ideas will be shown in the future however I know one company is working on something new. People Can Fly has opened a New York studio. Of course, People Can Fly being the creators of Bulletstorm and a couple of Gears of War games, specifically Judgment. But. People Can Fly has expanded into North America with the opening of a brand new studio in New York. The new office has been named People Can Fly New York and means the company now employs over 200 people across four studios in the United States, the UK, and Poland. The fledgling studio will be led by former Avalanche Studios executive producer and Defiant Studios co founder David Gridgens, with fellow Deviant co founder and creative director, excuse me, fellow Defiant. They aren't deviants, oh no. Fellow Deviant, co-founder and creative director Roland Lesterlin also joining the leadership team as executive producer. People Can Fly is currently developing an unannounced AAA project with Square Enix and is also co-developing several titles in the Gears of War franchise. This New York studio has initially been tasked with helping out on the Square Enix project. And that's all we know as of right now. But big news, because People Can Fly makes some pretty impressive stuff. Of course, the first time that I heard of People Can Fly was in Bulletstorm, because that game was one of the hidden gems of the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 generation, and to see it getting a new coat of paint with the newer edition that came out a couple of years back is something that I was very happy to see. At the same time, excited to see where they are going with Square Enix. Incredibly talented people over there behind the scenes, and to see them working with Square is a pretty cool idea. But on top of that, Gears of War, I'm listening. I'm interested. I know the New York studio is not working on that, but very much so. Judgment wasn't a bad game. It was a fine game, in my opinion. Uh, But we will see what People Can Fly are working on. But I did want to let you guys know a brand new studio has opened up in the New York region. But of course, that's going to be a while before that game comes out. However, Borderlands 3 is coming out this year, and a Borderlands 2 DLC has been leaked and all but confirmed to link the games together. Commander Lilith and the Fight Force Sanctuary will apparently be a free DLC. Borderlands 2 is getting a new piece of free downloadable content that will act as a narrative bridge to Borderlands 3 according to leaked info and screenshots posted to Steam. The add-on, Commander Lilith and the Fight Force Sanctuary will include new bosses, new areas and of course new loot. Here is the official description of Borderlands 2, Commander Lilith and the Fight Force Sanctuary, which again has since been removed from Steam. Return to the award-winning shooter-looter for a new adventure that sets the stage for the upcoming Borderlands 3. Sanctuary is under siege, the vault's map has been stolen, and a toxic gas is poisoning Pandora. Fight new bosses, explore new zones, get new loot, including an entirely new Tier Beyond Legendary, and join up with Lilith and the Crimson Raiders to take on a deranged villain hell-bent on ruling the planet. Returning players can pursue an increased level cap of 80, while newcomers can automatically boost to level 30 and dive straight into the action. The fight for Sanctuary, referred to in the new title's content, excuse me, in the new content's title may offer some clues to the transition from Borderlands 2's Hub City to the new spaceship hub Sanctuary 3 in Borderlands 3. Gearbox's Borderlands 3 is due out on September 13th for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and the DLC, Commander Lilith and the Fight Force Sanctuary, is reportedly planned to officially drop sometime during E3, according to a report from PlayStation Lifestyle, which we talked about on a previous episode of Caffeinate very exciting stuff borderlands 2 is currently available as a free title through playstation plus on playstation 4 if you did want to pick it up on top of other games included in the Handsome Collection. Very exciting time for Borderlands fans. Of course, a ton of stuff going down right now in the Borderlands universe. We have a lot of anticipation, a lot of streamers getting behind Borderlands 3. Of course, a lot of people going back and playing the games right now, and I believe that the both bundles are on sale right now. Of course, Handsome Collection is free on PS4, but I think the other one uh, that came out recently, not the Handsome Collection, but it is the other one that includes all the rest of the games, can't think of it right now, Uh, but they're both available right now and it's totally affordable to dive in and get a ton of hours of gameplay, hundreds of hours of gameplay, for a relatively affordable price. Very exciting times, nonetheless, but again, September the 13th will be here before we know it and if you do want to dive in and see what happens between Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3, pay attention to E3 because I would say, we could be getting a DLC. Thanks to various leaks, various confirmations, and a ton of other news that's going to be coming down the pipe and is coming down the pipe as we speak. Now, in the chat, pause. The Gaming Galleon says, Do you have a background in broadcasting? Not necessarily outside of Twitch, but here we are. I'm okay at it. Moving on to the next topic of the day Uncharted and The Last of Us PS3 multiplayer is going offline for good. Naughty Dog is beginning its bittersweet goodbyes to the PS3. On Tuesday, September the 23rd, 2019, at 5pm Pacific Time, the multiplayer service for Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception, The Last of Us, and The Last of Us Left Behind are going offline for good on the console. Thankfully, Naughty Dog is giving the PS3 multiplayer a respectable send-off by making all of the DLC for the games free until the official shutdown. The free multiplayer DLC bundles are currently up for grabs on the PlayStation Store and I can confirm, they are all phenomenal. Absolutely adore the multiplayer, specifically of Uncharted 2, but Uncharted 3 is also pretty good, and The Last of Us, much more difficult and grueling, but still a good time. Though Naughty Dog and its fans can always look back on the time and commitment given to the PS3 fondly, the excitement for the future of the company is evident, especially when it comes to The Last of Us Part 2. Despite Sony announcing its absence at the absence, excuse me, at this year's E3, Naughty Dog is still hard at work on the highly anticipated games production, which, as we've been talking about on previous episodes, is wrapping up as we speak. But... If you do want to dive in and check out these PS3 games, again, these are the PS3 versions of the game, so if you do want to play The Last of Us Remastered online multiplayer, that's still happening. That's still good, you're still rolling along with that, Uh, but when it comes to the PS3 versions of these games, looks like the end is nigh, as they say. Again, fantastic multiplayer experience. Cool to see the DLC getting put out for free if you do want to go back and experience them. and again, these are PS3 games. If you go into a gamestop, hey, they might give them to you. Who knows? you can just you can just go in and pick them up, I'm just saying. Uh, but very excited to see what the deal is with the next generation of Naughty Dog titles. Of course, The Last of Us Part 2 coming out at some point, hypothetically, if the leaks and reports are to be believed on the PS4 and the PlayStation 5. But we don't want to speculate too much. It's going to be a good time, nonetheless. However, let's talk about Apex Legends, because... Of course, the game is getting a ton of new content announced at EA Play this coming week, which has been confirmed. But at the same time, let's talk about the ESPN series that is going to be covering the eSports side of the game. And other games coming down the pipe. ESPN is about to expand its fledgling esports strategy in a very noticeable way. The broadcaster has launched an XP esports series that will bring competitive gaming to its events. They'll typically include a variety of games with collegiate pro and pro-am formats. You will have to watch online if you want to tune in live, but there will be a tape-delayed highlight show on ESPN and other ABC TV channels after the fact. You'll see XP start quickly. The first event will be a Pro-Am Apex Legends exhibition during the week of the ESPYs around July the 11th, while an invitational Apex tourney will take place at the X Games Minneapolis between August 1st and August the 4th. Gamers will have a chance to win a playing berth what is that, at the ESPY's event by making donations through eBay between June 12th and June the 22nd. ESPN certainly isn't new to hosting esports tourneys at its events, but the series represents an added level of commitment. It wants to make digital competition a staple at its esports galas and not just special exhibitions. Although this won't suddenly put esports on par with conventional sports and ESPN's world, it's now treated as less of a novelty. Is it, though? Let's talk about that because this is something that has been on the minds of many lately. It's something that we do need to talk about because esports is becoming a big part of the gaming industry. Maybe not as big as some people think, and I want to make my thoughts on that very clear. Esports has been growing by leaps and bounds over the course of the past five years or so. Where it was then compared to where it was today, they are two completely and totally different entities when it really comes down to it. At the same time, however, People don't respect esports yet. I'm sorry, they just don't. When it comes to the ESPN page on Facebook, for instance, or the ESPN page on Twitter, if there is any kind of broadcasted coverage of an esports event, the fan base of ESPN, the fan base of any kind of sports coverage is always going to be dogging on esports itself. Some people are accepting of it. Overwhelmingly, people just don't like it. On top of that, there's a lot of investment money being thrown around as it stands today. And although the investment money is nice, Investment money doesn't necessarily show that it's going to be a successful venture in the long run. Whenever you're seeing a lot of broadcasted coverage on Twitch, there are a lot of people watching online. But when you're looking at the actual events themselves, might not necessarily be as packed out as they look. Again, some events are totally packed out, but a lot of the events may or may not be. The esports issue that the industry faces today is making it something that a ton of people want to get behind, that novice players can watch, that maybe even fans of other sports can get into and get interested in. But overwhelmingly, I am interested to see what the future of esports does hold and what the ratings are going to be online versus on television. Because as Domino says in the chat, what's TV? Uh, There's a ton of of newcomers to video gaming and on top of that, to sports coverage that don't even watch television. Whenever I move out, won't have cable at all. Next month, not going to have cable. Not paying for that. Uh, But On top of that, you just have a lot of movement going on behind the scenes with eSports, so it could go one way or the other. I'm excited to see where it goes. Again, Rainbow Six Siege, perfect for competitive eSports. PUBG, a pretty good eSport. Rocket League has a huge following when it comes to eSports. Of course, then you have FIFA and Madden, tons of little games here and there. Apex Legends, Fortnite, massive. A lot of stuff going on right now in the world of eSports and a lot of initiatives getting kicked off the ground. But... Battlefield 5 never been big into eSports, and apparently not big into Nazism either. That's good, isn't it? That was a weird transition. I apologize in advance. Uh, but EA will change Battlefield 5 Nazi, who shared the name with a Resistance fighter. What a strange story this one is, but it does show a lot about where we are. Battlefield 5 is changing the name of a purchasable skin for a German soldier after it came to light that the name historically belonged to a real-life German anti-fascist fighter. Oh, and EA wants you to know that he's totally not a Nazi. As reported by Vice Games, the skin in question, who excuse me was called Wilhelm Frank in game he's pretty villainous a YouTube video advertising the skin showed the character a German explosive expert killing Allied soldiers and watching a survivor bleed to death Need something obliterated he's your man the description says one problem there actually was a Wilhelm Frank and he sure as hell wasn't a Nazi he was a German teacher turned anti-fascist resistance fighter who was later arrested for his activities and he died during the air raids on Dresden in 1945 In a statement to Vice, EA apologized for the situation and stated they will be changing the skin's name. The Wilhelm Frank skin cost around 990 Battlefield currency, which is a little less than $10. As of today, the skin is still available for purchase, and fixing the name is a relatively quick way to avoid treading on the real Frank's legacy. To be safe, EA also wants people to know that the fictional Frank, a Wolfenstein-worthy villain, is totally not a Nazi. The aforementioned elite Wilhelm Frank, whose name we are changing, is not a Nazi, but a German soldier similar to ones we already have. In game, EA told Vice. In Battlefield 5, we are not making any political statements in relation to real life events of World War II, and there are no swastikas in the game. Battlefield V has tread similar ground before, their first story expansion, The Last Tiger, focused on the struggles of a German tank crew. The story attempted to capture the tension of soldiers compelled to protect their homeland while also abetting a dangerous regime, but it painted a soft picture that fell short of really examining the issues. Battlefield V goes to great lengths to avoid explicit Nazi iconography like swastikas, but does feature the Iron Cross, a symbol originally used by the German Empire, which was then co-opted by Hitler's Nazi regime. It's still being used by some modern white supremacist movements today. That's a big oof on my book. But EA's statement arguably plays into rhetoric used to whitewash German atrocities during World War II. And again, the story does go on. But at the end of the day, they are changing the name, which I think is a pretty good move whenever you're talking about this specific situation. But I do want to say this is what you get whenever you try to take the politics out of a game set in World War II. Literally, this is a World War II game. The setting is World War II, the locations, totally centered around World War II. When you take all of the iconography and you try and take the history out of World War II, that's when you begin to have an issue. That entity, combined with today, where we have a lot of similar issues beginning to crop up, which is terrifying in and of itself, these don't go well together, and that's what we have here with Battlefield 5. And of course, whenever you try to make any kind of war game apolitical, you begin to run into a couple of issues here and there. It's just like Ubisoft uh, saying that they want to make all of their games apolitical as well. Then we have Watch Dogs Legion coming out, which reportedly is set in a post-Brexit London, where technology has taken up... Everything's political. The entire world is political. Politics is a part of society. You can't escape it, especially when you build worlds in video games that are at least in part based on real life. You just can't get away from it, and to try and run from it just inevitably creates problems like the one that we have here today. But I digress. To keep everybody happy, Battlefield 5 is changing the name of this skin, which again, do you have to buy it? Absolutely not. I have never purchased one of these skins, even though they do look cool. But at the same time, it's an interesting story to talk about today. However, if you do want to dive in, there's a ton of new content coming to Battlefield 5, and I do want to say the game is not nearly as bad or as poorly developed or as as in shambles as people make it out to be. A very fun game as it stands today. Battlefield 5 players are getting four new maps starting June the 27th, and the Pacific Theater has been teased. DICE is bringing four new maps to Battlefield 5 with Chapter 4 Defying the Odds starting on June the 27th. The new content for BF5 will kick off with two large 64-player maps. The first coming at the start of Chapter 4 is the Al Sundan map which focuses on large distances and vehicle-based gameplay. This map is based on the single-player War Story in-game Under No Flag. The Merida map comes next in July, bringing the second of two Greece maps. Merida is situated on a mountainside with cobblestone roads overlooking a river, and it's an infantry focused, excuse me, last stand experience. Later in August, two additional maps tailored for infantry combat will be released. Here, you will destroy an explosive production factory in Lafoten Islands, I believe I said that correctly, and unseat the Axis occupation in province. And then in October, between Chapter 4 and Chapter 5, you can expect Operation Underground. The map was inspired by operation metro perhaps one of the best maps in battlefield history of course for those that don't know operation metro let me let me riff on that for a minute operation metro is essentially like hey what if we made a giant tube and just funneled two teams into it and just made them just go at each other and i hope very sincerely that they bring back the front lines mode for that specific map, because that would just be mind blowing. And of course, that was for the Battlefield 5 fans. You'll know what I'm talking about frontline it was it was it was nuts but here you will face man to man combat across courtyards urban streets the plaza service tunnels train platforms and more and of course in the video you also see a teaser for chapter 5 which looks to take place in the pacific theater and that should be coming around october maybe november dice will provide a deep dive into the upcoming content this saturday june the 8th during the ea play battlefield 5 live stream at 10:30 a.m. pacific time if you do want to dive in and check out the hottest battlefield 5 news on top of other stuff Except for Anthem, because they're not talking about Anthem. Ouch. Anyways, Battlefield 5, a very cool game, one that you can definitely pick up for a relatively affordable price at this point. Again, tons of sales going on around E3. If you're looking to pick up a game that came out maybe late last year, early this year, now is the time to look into it, because it might be on sale. Uh, but Battlefield 5, again, no season pass. So all of this is going to be free very excited to see that continuing and on top of that to see call of duty pick up that business model as well and i think it's helped the game overall because i see a lot of people coming back and playing battlefield 5 because hey they don't have to buy a map pack they don't have to buy a season pass you are good to go you just dive in download the update and you've got new content there and waiting for you on top of microtransactions, but i mean hey they're just cosmetics totally fine in my book uh, so if you do want to dive in again battlefield 5 out on ps4 xbox one and pc if you do want to check it out and give it a look and again as domino says in the chat ea play coming up this saturday but no one's talking about anthem however what you are talking about is spongebob squarepants battle 4 bikini bottom getting a remaster it's been rehydrated and yes that is actually the name of the game i cannot believe this i literally tweeted i said you've got to be kidding me Because I never would have expected this game to get a remaster. But hey, that's the beauty of THQ Nordic. The company blows my mind. In news you probably didn't expect, THQ Nordic announced via Twitter today that it's remastering 3D platformer SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom. The game, which has you defending Bikini Bottom from an onslaught of robots, originally launched on PS2, Xbox, and GameCube in 2003 and became a fan favorite, winning a 2004 Kids Choice Award. The tweet, which you can read below, reveals the remaster appropriately called Rehydrated is coming to consoles, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, as well as the PC. The Tweet reads as follows, Who lives in a pineapple under the sea, but isn't coming to E3? I love it, Spongebob coming to PC and consoles, Nickelodeon, Purple Lamp, and THQ Nordic are happy to announce Spongebob Squarepants Battle for Bikini Bottom rehydrated, and again, coming very soon. That was genius. And again, the Tweet before this said, Are you ready kids? And it's like, ah, nice, cool marketing man it's crazy oddly enough we recently played the game on replay if you do want to see how it holds up via the guys over there game informer but man a slice of my childhood is coming back that's absolutely mind-blowingly amazing i played this game so much as a kid and will i be buying it again no I'm i'm not going to be buying this again at the same time though just the fact that it exists just the fact that it's actually happening the fact that you have this as a reality we are in the best timeline, and I think what this really does prove is the value of the Spongebob IP, because number one, our entire generation, people between the ages of, I would say, 15, maybe, uh, let's go up to 18. I would say beginning at 18 and going up to like 25, we are defined by what we saw in Spongebob. The memes that go around, the the language that has been developed, mihoi me mi noy, stuff like that. It's all because of this. And so there is value in that community for Battle for Bikini Bottom. But on top of that, there are a ton of kids today that have grown up on SpongeBob and still watch the show today. And so there's value there. People are going to see SpongeBob and pick it up for their kids that weren't born in 2003. Not even even thought about in 2003. And so there is a ton of possibility for this game to be a very big seller. I think, actually, if I were to predict how it's going to sell, better than you would think. A lot of people are going to be picking this one up for both the nostalgia and also for kids that have never even heard of the game before, and it could pave the way for more games to be remastered in the future. But with that being said, exciting times for fans of Battle for Bikini Bottom, again, crazy that it's even happening. But with that being said, that rounds out today's top gaming news. Of course, if you are brand new to the show, this is hosted five days a week live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams if you did want to watch live. But of course, the show is then taken down and put up on podcast services around the world, as well as on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media if you did want to check out the VOD version. But with that being said, you guys have a phenomenal rest of your Thursday. Thank you for joining me live, and I will catch you on the next one. Peace.